Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. We thank you. We worship you. We thank you, Lord, because you are God. We thank you, Lord, because your word is ever increasing and never failing. Because your word is personal to each one of us and your voice is like the sound of many waters. And Father, speak to us, O Lord Jesus, today through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for all your ministry, for all that you have done for us and what you continue to do for us, O Lord. Reveal through your word, O Master, your heart today for your children that have gathered here. And help us to walk in that authority that you reveal. And show us all things, the hidden things of the Father, revealed through the Son and made manifest through the Holy Spirit to your church. And teach us that we may walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Uh, we had, we had, uh, last time we had taken the session on do your job, sit down. Uh, there was a lot of material, so... If you ever get a chance, definitely go back and listen to that because that's the heart of the message. And Brother Melvin was also talking about it. It's many times we have to get out of the way for God to do his work and that the heart of it is to sit down, you know. Judgment is committed to the seated ones. Have you ever seen a judge make decisions if he's standing? The court is seated. Then is when judgments are made, correct? So judgment is always committed to the seated one. So if a believer does not sit, he has no authority in the kingdom because his Lord is seated. And, and can you imagine one of the, you know, Jesus' current temptation is right now? Yeah, Jesus' current temptation is to get up and do something about it, right? But what does he do? He remains seated because his father has told him one thing. And what is? Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So every time he's urging to get up and do something about the enemy on the earth, he remembers what his father has told him. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Who is responsible to making his enemies his footstool? The father. And is the son seated? Yes. Guess who you are? You are in the son. <laughs> You don't have an existence apart from the sun. You are in the sun. And therefore, if the sun is seated, you are seated. So, but, but you know, some, some, some guy was, you know, a teacher was looking at a, a student. And uh, he told them, stand up. He would not stand up. Then he said, stand up. He wouldn't stand up. Then finally, tried to whack him. And he said, stand up. He stood up. And he said, okay. And, he, and, he, and the, while the boy was standing up, he was saying, but inside I'm still sitting down. <laughs> you know, your posture in your mind and in your heart should be a posture of, seat, of being seated all the time in Christ Jesus. It's not standing in Christ Jesus. You are seated in Christ Jesus. And that's what, that's what it is. So just remember... Judgment is always committed to the seated ones. And that's how it is. When the court is seated is when you decide. So you can decide. I mean, many times your most powerful victories are the powerful decrees that you decree seated. Yes. So you just sit and decree. 
stuff because that's what the king does, you know? And okay, we are not gonna go back into that message, right? Let's go. The title of the message today is, is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me, you know? The Holy Spirit, uh, it was some sometime about a month back, a month or I think about a month back, I heard this voice in my spirit, like angels running around and telling each other in heaven, it's time, it's time, it's time. And uh, and I was like, why is it, it's why is it time? What what's changed? He said, it's time because finally the church is seated. The show is about to start. It's time. And suddenly I can sense, because all of, all of uh, this dispensation for the last 2,000 years was coming to a critical point where they're thinking, I want the church seated so that I can get started with the show. And the show is, brothers and sisters, is getting started. I just sense that the, whole, the Lord Jesus saying, I am coming quickly. It's happening. And you'll not under, and you'll think that he's coming quickly to rapture you. I'm sorry, there is news for you. He is definitely coming to rapture you, but that's a different story. When he comes, he's coming first to gather. He's coming first to gather. And the Bible says, and John was, I mean, this is, I mean, Today, uh, while uh, uh, Brother George was leading the worship, he was almost preaching my complete message. <laughs> and he said, expectation, expectation. You know, when Jesus came the first time, uh, let's go back to, I'll show you something very powerful. Very, very powerful. Uh, let's take Luke chapter... Luke chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. Now, this is John the Baptist's ministry is continuing. He is, he is now preaching in the, as a prophet, he's preaching in the wilderness. Now, look at, listen to this. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. Now, as the people were in expectation, you hear the word? People were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John. Whether he was the Christ or not, what were they in expectation of? They were in expectation that Christ is here on the earth. And they didn't know who it is. Because they knew Christ is on the earth. You remember who is Christ? Christ is the Messiah that is prophesied for 4,000 years, right? It's like Christ is on the earth. And they are expecting, they're saying, is it John? Is it John? Even John didn't know. John knew that Christ is on the earth, but John didn't know that Jesus is Christ. His cousin is Christ. I mean, it's amazing. John is in expectation. The people are in expectation because Christ is on the earth somewhere. Why? Because they knew it. They knew it from Daniel's prophecy. They knew it from all the prophecies that's happening that Christ is somewhere on the earth. Can you, can, if I tell you right now, brothers and sisters, Christ is getting ready to come to earth. You have a sense that something is about to kick start. And he's not able to, he's like, so have you seen when, when a big show is getting put up, a theater is putting, put, put up, 
before the main character makes his appearance in the stage, what is he asking the people at the backstage? What is he asking? He's saying, have they sat down? Have they sat down? Have they sat down? And finally, the guys come and say, yes, they have all sat down. That is why the Holy Spirit was telling me the angels are starting to talk among themselves right now. The church has sat down. The church is sitting down. After COVID, the church is now getting ready to sit down. They were all in turmoil. They were all restless, but the church is now getting ready to sit down. And Jesus is like, okay, is it time? And people are all shouting behind the stage. It's like, it's time. It's time. It's time. Get ready for the latter rain is about to start. Are you ready for the latter rain? Amen. Amen. You are starting to see the first trickles happening. Now today from last seven, 12 days in Asbury, Kentucky, and we've been watching this live and we've been crying in our houses. We've been listening to the messages. We've been listening to the words. There's nothing there. There is no person preaching. There is nothing happening, but people are just coming and worshiping the Lord. Why? Because the rains are starting to flow out. And where is Asbury? Where is Kentucky? That is where the headwaters of the rivers of the Ohio, of the Cumberland, and the Mississippi starting around that. It starts to blush. And the Lord says, he will thresh from the channels of the river to the end of the river because he's starting to thresh. He's starting to thresh. What is he starting to thresh? He's starting to bring the harvest in before he can now come in. The harvest, brothers and sisters, is starting right now. And you're going to start seeing, it will not be a man preacher, it won't be a woman preacher. It will be spontaneous eruptions of the miracles and the worship of the Father everywhere. It will be all over the place. It will come out in houses, rooms, places. It will start erupting everywhere. There will be no glory. They won't be able to find out who is organizing this thing. They won't be able to nail it. Who is causing this? Because for the king is ready right now. And it's going to erupt. It's going to start happening all over. It's going to happen. It's starting. It's happening. Because I can. it's time. It's time for what? It's time for what? It's time for the harvest. For the longest of time, the church has been thinking that it is doing the sowing. Correct? <laughs> for the longest time, the church is under this mistaken identity that it is doing the laboring. For the longest time, the church is thinking that it is doing all the hard work. All the time is heaven is saying, just shut up and sit down. <laughs> because one has paid the price. Yeah. One has yeah. labored. One has sown. Yeah. One has done the work. Why don't you all sit down and let the harvest come in? Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And finally, the harvest is getting starting. Hallelujah. Are you all ready for the harvest? Yeah. And the Lord says, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? Means what? Is there anything too hard for me? Say, but there is no signs of the harvest right now. Evil is crazy out there. 
violence is all over the land. But the Lord says, is there anything too hard for me? When things were the worst in the world, Christ was on the earth. Amen. When Herod was killing babies, Christ was in Egypt. And Herod was dead, Christ was in Israel. When Pilate was ruling, Christ was walking the streets of Galilee. Hallelujah. Amen. It's happening. It's happening. Because he says, is anything too hard for me? Yeah. Harvest is, if, if sowing is sure, harvest is surer. <laughs> you believe that? Yes. Do not be mocked. For what a man sows, he shall reap. Does he say may reap? He shall reap. He shall reap. He shall reap. So, so is, there, is there anything too hard for me? When God says there's anything too hard for me, he's not talking about the labor part. He's not talking about the sowing part. He's not talking about what he can do. He's talking about, is it hard for me to show you the harvest now when you cannot see any evidence of it? Hallelujah. Because that needs faith, correct? That needs faith. To know that because somebody has sowed six months back, surely corn is going to erupt up from this ground. Do you believe that? There is no corn on the ground right now. There is nothing. There is no evidence. But you know something that the world doesn't know. What is that? Harvest is coming. Why? Six months back, one sowed in that place. And you know that. But the world doesn't see anything. But sure as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, exactly at six months, it's time the harvest shows up. And how does the harvest show up? Everywhere, simultaneously, all over the world, corn starts sprouting. Did you see that? I mean, doesn't matter if it's a rich man's field or a poor man's field or is it in the United States or in a communist country, everywhere corn starts sprouting. Why? Because corn knows its season. Because the Bible says, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, to every purpose under heaven, there is a time. A time to plant and the time to pluck harvest. There is a time. Surely, my brothers and sisters, the time of harvest is here right now. You are getting ready for now. Because if the one who planted has done his work, and how many of you agree that the one who planted has done his work? Amen? Surely, the time for harvest is here. Hallelujah. Let's go, to, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 32. This is huge. I don't know whether I can cover all of this, but the Holy Spirit will definitely take what he needs to share. Jeremiah chapter 32. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, 
Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. The word came when? When he's 18 years in captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Horrible situation, bad situation, correct? But the word came. And what does the word come? The word says, the word came to, from the Lord to Jeremiah saying, go ahead, verse 7, behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you saying, buy my field which is in Anatot, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. He's saying, while the, let's say, say somebody, is, it's like telling somebody, a guy who is in Ukraine right now, wants to sell you his house. Will you buy it? That's what, that's what the word of the Lord was telling him. Yeah. Yes, a son of your uncle is going to come to sell you his land. I mean, the, the land doesn't even belong to him. I mean, it's under captivity. But he says, the Lord says what? Go ahead and buy the field. Wow. And so, verse 8. So I bought the field from Hanamel. And then he signed the deed, sealed it, took witnesses, weighed the money on the, on the scales. And I, and I took the purchase deed, both which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that was open. That means he, so the title deed was very interesting, very, very powerful, right? So in, and he is in prison right now. Jeremiah is in prison. And he buys a land from another, his, his cousin, who want to sell it from Jerusalem, even though Jerusalem is under captivity. And he buys the land. And look at the transaction. The transaction is they sign it, they seal it, they take witnesses, and they keep one scroll which is open, and one scroll they seal, they close it. What does that remind you? A seal that, a scroll that is sealed, and a scroll that is open? Mm -hmm. Who is getting ready to open the sealed scrolls? The Lamb of God. Jesus is getting ready to open the sealed scrolls because how do they know? It's a, this is the earliest form of blockchain. <laughs> the, what they do is there is one private key and there is one public key. Just look at cryptography is from the Bible, right? So they say, okay, you cannot forge your document because one day when the private key is opened, if it doesn't match, your transaction is not void. So God is saying, I have given you the earth as an inheritance. It is in the open scroll. It's written in your heart. Jesus has written it when you were born again, that you own the earth. Kingdom people out here will know that, right? You own the earth. But there is a private scroll which says the same thing. And the enemy is going around telling everybody that you have a forgery. That your deed is a lie. And you've been told morning and evening that that is not true. It is a bunch of hog, hog, hogwash. It is all, all Christian tales. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the billionaires. The ones who have the yacht in Monte Carlo. They are the ones who, the elite. These are the people who live in Davos. They are the ones who jet set. They own the earth. Correct? No. We own the earth. Say, I own the earth. I own the earth. I own the earth. 
How do you know it? Written, open, scroll, written in my heart, in an earthen vessel. That's exactly what he did. It was written in an earthen vessel, one open, one sealed, correct? They say, no, 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 it's not true. Guess what? Somebody is getting ready to open the seals and tell you that what I told you publicly is what is written in heaven privately. So while the opening of the seals in Revelation looks so dangerous, is it good news or bad news for you? Good news! Because your inheritance is now revealed to the whole earth. Hallelujah! Because the time of the opening of the seals is at hand, brothers and sisters. And it is a sign because your inheritance is being revealed to all the earth that truly the church owns the nations of the earth. But you are getting this news while the captivity has still not ended in the land. There is no evidence of anything happening. Correct? It is one day before harvest time. Just wait. 24 hours. So you'll say, but I'm being persecuted for the report. Hallelujah. So this is the persecution that you are suffering. It is not the persecution like Peter says that you should not suffer as an evildoer. Do you suffer persecution as an evildoer? Do you suffer sickness and disease? That's suffering as an evildoer. Why? Because that's a judgment of breaking of a law, of a lawless one. That means that's an evildoer. You do not suffer as an evildoer. You are redeemed. Now you suffer affliction because you are holding on to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you are the owner. You are an inheritor. You are the son of God. And no one can snatch that. And they'll mock you. They will ridicule you. Like they mocked Noah during the days of building of the ark. They mocked him. But surely, as surely, as surely as the word said, the rains came on the earth. Hallelujah. Rains had never come on the earth while the ark was being built. There was no mention of rains in the Bible. There was the, the waters came from out of the ground and watered the whole earth. Rains never came from heaven. But when Noah said, rains will come, the rains did come. Hallelujah. So, so he bought the field from Hamale at the purchase deed. This, and then, then he... And then he said, I charge Baruch before them. Baruch is his servant. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, both this purchase deed which is sealed and this deed which is open and put them in an earthen vessel that they may last many days. Many days is getting ready to come to an end. Okay? For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Do you see? This is a message of possession, brothers and sisters. This is a message of the fact that houses, fields, vineyards, will be possessed again in this land. You are getting ready for ownership reality very soon. 
the harvest. So when Jesus is saying, I'm coming, what he's saying is, I'm coming with the harvest for you. I'm coming with the harvest. I am not coming to get you away from the harvest. I'm coming with the harvest. This is harvest time, brothers and sisters. Okay. And then he says, then he had done this, and the Lord, and then he said, then verse 17, and then he speaks to the Lord. And I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched time. There is nothing too hard for you. Say, nothing too hard for you. So he's saying, there is nothing too hard for you. Means what is he talking about? What is Jeremiah saying, there is nothing too hard for you? What is he talking about? In what aspect, there is nothing too hard for you? Yes! He's talking about your prosperity. He's saying, if he says that houses, fields, and vineyards will be again possessed in the land, he said, it is, I don't understand it, but I believe it. Amen. There's nothing too hard for you. There is no problem with you. But then look at what verse says. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of the children and after them, the great and mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts. Whenever the Bible uses the word Lord of hosts, remember to replace it as a type called the Lord of seed time and harvest. Always. He's always coming to pay back. Whenever the word, the Bible uses the word Lord of hosts, means he's coming to pay back. In a positive sense and in a negative sense. For you, for your enemy's judgment, but for you, the Lord of hosts who brings redemption, who brings of uh, the harvest for what he had already sown. You got it? Yeah. Always when you look at the Lord of hosts, it'll be like the Lord of seed time and harvest. Because he, remember, always he says the, he sends out the host to gather the the harvest all the time. He always sends the host to judge the wicked. He will always send the host to gather the fruits. So to, to, your, to, to his house, he sent the host to minister uh, the uh, resource. But to his enemies, he sends the host to destroy them. You see the thing? Yeah. But yet it is the same Lord of hosts. Correct? So God is getting ready to say, I have sowed something and I am going to reap it right now. It's time for harvest time. And says, there is nothing is impossible for you. Okay, there he said, and uh, Jeremiah understands that. He said, Lord, there is nothing too hard for you. You are the Lord of hosts. You are great in counsel, mighty at work, for your eyes are open to all the works of the sons of men to give them according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doing. See? Whatever you sow, you will return. He's talking about uh, you are a lot of hosts. You are you will you will see that you see that. Okay. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day and in Israel and among all the men, and you have made yourself a name. That means you are a famous one. You have brought your people and you have done this. You have done that, and then finally he comes back and he says, and you have said to me. Oh Lord, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet, 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 the city has been given over to the hand of the Chaldeans. Wow. Verse 24. Look, the siege mounts. 
they have come to the city to take it and the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans who fight them because of their sword and famine. So he says, you have given me this word to buy the land, I have done it. Yeah. Okay, but now I need to have a chat with you. <laughs> Look at these siege bombs. What are, you, what are you trying to do here? But yet, I know all things are possible, but there's a contradiction to my eyes. When harvest time is about to break up, it'll, all, it, it'll often and most likely defy your eyes. It will not appear. It'll be like, why is the Lord telling me to do this? It'll look as if, why is he make, telling me to do this? But, but why? And the, look at the Lord's reply. And you've heard this verse, but you never understood the context of this verse. Correct? Look at verse 26. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And this is what the Holy Spirit is wanting to tell you, brothers and sisters, today. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Come on. I am the Lord, the God of all, all flesh. All flesh. Yeah. Why does he use the word all flesh? Because flesh is where men get their accomplishments. Yes. Yes. Flesh is by which they made these houses. Yeah. Flesh is by which they made these vineyards. Flesh is by which they made these large cities. But yet the Lord says, I am a God of all flesh. Yeah. I don't need flesh to make these things happen for you. Hallelujah. Wow. I overrule flesh every day. Amen. I am a lord of all flesh, means I am a supersede flesh for you. Yeah. You think that it's only by flesh you can get it? Mm. That's how you've been taught. Yeah. That's how you've learned. Yeah. And therefore you think it is too hard for you, correct? Mm. But I am not a god of flesh. Mm. I am a god over flesh. Wow. And I, yeah. if I, is anything too hard for me? Because my resources are not flesh. Mm. I decide and it will cause it to happen. Wow. You see the power? He says, is anything too hard for me? Because that is the context. He says, I, your harvest is coming. Your harvest is coming. You say, but I don't see it. I don't see any evidence of it. The Lord says, what has that got to do with the reality of it? What has that got to do with it? Yes, there are siege bonds. So, so what are you trying to say? Oh, the, the city is given to the Chaldeans. Okay, so what are you trying to say? I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? This is like gangster style God talking to you. Right? It's like, is anything too hard for me? Have you seen Godfather movie? Man, every scene is so tension in that, man. The guy drinks a glass of water also. It's like, man, he's going to shoot the guy out. I just, the other day, I, I'm not watched the movie, but the other day I was seeing some clips. Oh my goodness, I don't even know the story. I was like, why is this tension in the scene? And all he's doing is, uh, give this, show this cake to the people and then cut it. <laughs> just that, I'm, I could sense the tension. I hope he doesn't drop the cake, you know? <laughs> I hope he shows it to every guy, you know. <laughs> Why? Because it's just like, God is like, 
Jeremiah, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Hallelujah. The Lord, the Lord told me that other day. He said, you know why Mary, when the water, the wine ran out, and when, and, uh, and when uh, she went to Jesus and said, they have no wine? Why did Mary go to Jesus when Jesus has never done one miracle throughout his life until that point? And I was asking the Holy Spirit, like, why, Lord? He said, and the Holy Spirit is saying, because for 30 years she saw the face of him for, for whom nothing is impossible. For 30 years, she woke up and learned or saw a face which says, to me, nothing is impossible. Amen. There is no way you can live 30 years with a guy whose face has a gangster face about him and says, nothing is impossible for me. There is no way. And he said, woman, what is your need got to do with me? That's like total gangster, right? It's like his mother. <laughs> Woman, what is your, I mean, like, and, G, and Mary went back and said, whatever he says, just do it. That's because he's, she was meditating on that face of, of impossibilities are possible. That's the face of God in a man. Do you think she was seeing a carpenter's son's face? She was seeing the face of the father wow. in his son. And she saw it. She saw it. This is the father. There is no way God lives with you and you're worrying about your water bill. Yeah. <laughs> there is no way. Amen. Yeah. There is no way. Yeah. No way you're checking your bills. No. God lives with you. Yeah. See, this is one of the biggest challenges for a believer. See. For what was for them a desire for you is a reality, correct? Okay, let me, and we have talked about it. When Moses saw the burning bush, what did Moses see? What, what did Moses see? So what was amazing about that scene? Was it the consuming fire? No. The fact that the bush was not consumed. So what was Moses seeing? Moses was, Moses was seeing the church of Jesus Christ. Where God, a consuming fire, can live in you and the bush not be consumed. Moses was seeing, was like, can I get that? Is that even possible? And, and that was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly when God said, saw Moses turn to look at the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, you're worthy to be called to deliver Israel. Because if you don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot deliver Israel with your flesh. You can only deliver Israel through my son who will dwell in you. If you have a guilt conscious every morning, evening, 
You have a bad conscience. Why do you think Paul in all his epistles, epistle after epistle, epistle after saying, like, do not let anybody deny you and uh, teach you bad doctrine regarding bad conscience because you are perfect in Christ Jesus. You are complete in him. That means you do not be condemned. Why? Because he says, let no one tell you that you are an ordinary spectacle. Wow. You are a miracle, walking, talking miracle because the consuming fire lives in you and you are not consumed. And that scene can deliver nations. Melvin, right? Melvin, you you are delivering nations because you are fearless. You are fearless. People look at him and say, how come this guy does not have any fear? If God lives in you and you are not consumed, you are going to be afraid of a man? Why do you need fire extinguishers <laughs> when you have the fire himself in you? The Bible says when the fire came, at, when Elijah's time, it consumed the sacrifice, the stones, the water, and the dust. And never stopped. But when Jesus hung on the cross, the fire came and consumed him and stopped because the sacrifice was greater than the judgment. Wasn't it great? The sacrifice was greater than judgment. It sucked it up. And Jesus said, anymore? And then he says, it's finished. It was finished. That means it was complete. How much more do you want? What, what, how, what bigger bill can you run up that my Amex cannot pay? How much can you put it on it? <laughs> Please call before you purchase. No. It's a bottomless car. But that, that gives, therefore we have great boldness in faith. Yes. We have great boldness. Great boldness about what? Mm-hmm. Of your forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Wow. No wonder the disciples would walk on the streets of Samaria and say, Jesus, what do you think? Should we bring fire down from heaven and could destroy the man, you unholy, blaspheming, cursing fisherman is now going to judge the Samaritans? What gave them the boldness? There's no way they're walking for three and a half years with the face of him who declares them righteous morning, evening, and night and says, I can see a deep pool of righteousness that can always draw on and never be afraid. Isaiah chapter 66 says that when this will happen, he's talking about the times of the days of the Son of Man, that they will delight in the abundance of glory and they will drink and be satisfied. It's like a woman whose breast never stops, cease to give you milk and cannot stop. In fact, it is paining for the fact that you do not drink enough. She has to find ways to let that milk go because you are not drinking enough. That's the El Shaddai God that you serve. The sufficiency of your forgiveness, the sufficiency of your righteousness is not something that you need to put on a measuring stick. Oh my goodness, as I have I hit my quota for the day of forgiveness? No, drink deeply and be satisfied so that you will sin more? No, because you will know that if I ever fall, I have endless supply of this forgiveness. Do you see the power of... That's the life that you are living in, in Christ Jesus. And he says, 
Is, is, is anything too hard for me? He's talking about this harvest. Hallelujah. And then verse 37, and he says, Behold, I will gather them. I want you to read Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 37 onwards. Oh my goodness. Everybody got Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 37 onwards? Mm -hmm. And this is the promise. He's talking about, when he said, I am the God of all flesh, is anything too hard for me? He's getting ready to tell you the hard thing that you thought was not possible. He said, I am getting ready to do it. Hallelujah. You you just thought that you are just buying a piece of land, correct? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have not even started to see the fine print. <laughs> In our contract, the fine print is good or bad? Bad. In God's contract, the fine print is so much more better than the main print. Yeah. Get ready for the fine print. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 37 onwards. Behold, I will gather them. See, he's talking about gathering. He's coming to gather. The second coming of Jesus is first to gather. Say gather. Gather, gather what? The harvest. Not the rapture. No, 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 no. The first, the second coming of Jesus Christ is to come for the... You, you think you're... You, you think you put a million dollars of seed in the ground and you forgot to come for the harvest. No. How ridiculous is that? He, go, he, he puts a million dollars of seed into the ground. He takes a vacation, comes back after six months. Do you think he says, ah, forget it? No. Let's just go home. No. He wants the harvest. In fact, God has a reputation. In fact, there's a guy, Jesus gave up an example of a certain man. He said, remember the talents? There was this five talents, you're taught about it, you're preached about it, correct? Look at what the guy with the one talent said. He said, I knew you to be a hard man. Yeah. That you would reap where you have not sown. Means this God has a reputation. He says, even where I did not sow, I expect a harvest. How much more when he has sown Jesus Christ into the earth? I mean, how much more? How much more the only begotten son he sows and he will not expect a harvest? Are you serious? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I will expect a harvest even when I did not sow. How much more I will not expect a harvest when I have sown my most Precious seed. Do you think I will not expect a harvest? Surely I will expect a harvest. And and when when and and God does not say that He was wrong, but He did not leave it unanswered because He says, "Okay, if that is what you think that I am a hard man, but God is not a hard man." Jonah knew it. You know why Jonah did not go to Nineveh? Why do you think Jonah did not go to Nineveh? What is the reason? Correct? He said, I know you're a gracious God. I know you will not destroy them. I know you're loving kindness. I know you will not kill them. Therefore, I don't want my reputation to be at stake. <laughs> Think about this. So even Jonah knew 
this god hey this god has a reputation in fact ninavites knew about this god the ninavites said we have no evidence of any way that we are out of this prophecy because they they know what happened to israel for egypt they know they know all the stories everybody knows about how god delivered israel out of egypt right ninavites knew about it but they said okay the word came but he said but let's do it let's cry out to the lord yes let's cry out to the lord maybe he will hear from heaven because even they know this god can be gracious their gods would destroy but the god of israel has a reputation of being gracious hallelujah hallelujah and god's and god this one book in the bible that ends with a question which book jonah he says if you were so concerned about that plant how much more should i not be concerned about the people of nineveh and their flock and he leaves a question should i not that means says should i not be merciful should i not be merciful god is a god of exceeding mercy and goodness the harvest brothers and sisters is 100% sure and it is coming it is coming and i want you to read this jeremiah chapter 32 was 37 i'm talking about the fine print let's not call it the fine print say the main print the main print, print. The main print. okay look at it. behold i will gather them out of all the countries where i have driven them in my anger in my fury in my great wrath i'll bring them back to this place i will cause them to dwell safely that means nobody can threaten them which is your state right now he's talking about the church see when you say no he's talking about israel you don't realize that when god's when he's talking about the uh, israel he's talking about the one new man in christ jesus neither jew nor gentile in fact paul says in uh, romans chapter 9 he praises mention not all of israel is israel It, only the ones who have received the promise not born of flesh but those who are children of promise So he's talking about Israel. So God is looking forward and says, "I will gather them. I will bless them. They will dwell safely." Say me. Say me. me. I am the one. He's talking about. Okay, keep looking. They shall be my people. I'll be their God. Then I will give them one heart, one way. Oh my goodness. That shows this one heart shows up only in the book of Acts. After the Holy Spirit has come upon them and they said the church was in one heart. that's a very odd word to have how can you have one heart because there is only one body and therefore there is only one heart of jesus christ and we all partake of this one heart there is no different hearts of every believer it is one heart how perfect is that heart perfect and the bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks So as a believer you're not speaking out of your heart because you are that heart died this heart that you have is the heart of the lord jesus christ and out of the abundance of that heart let your mouth speak right now the confidence that is out of that heart the heart of the lord jesus christ you now speak because this isn't this a promise it's a new deal this is like no longer you have to depend on your local water supply <laughs> you don't know going this like saying god god saying don't worry about your bottled water from tomorrow onwards 
you will have connection straight to the city water. You don't have to store water. You don't have to worry about cleaning it. You don't worry about um, messing around with it. You don't have to worry about heating it. Why? It will be straight from the central place. Correct? One source. That's what God is saying. You get ready for one source. Because if, if that one source is perfect, what's going to happen to you? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Every good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, brings forth good things. Can you think the potential that you have, that you can now speak into existence out of the abundance of this heart that God has now given? Incredible things that you can vision and bring forth. What is stopping you? You are thinking that you are depleting your bottle water. You don't realize that you have now this one heart through which you can now start speaking out whatever you want. Whatever you want. Because it's not your heart anymore. It is, I'll give them one heart. And the Bible says your heart's purified by faith. That is the heart that he has given you. In fact, when the Holy Spirit was not poured out on the Gentiles, Paul confronted Peter and said, what do you mean the Gentiles have to be circumcised? Their hearts were purified by faith. And you are being you are circumcised and you, your circumcision is in the body. And your heart was not purified. But now in Christ Jesus, we have a new heart that is purified. Very, very important. This is a promise, correct? This is a harvest coming. I'll give them one heart. What else? One way, we know that, the Lord Jesus Christ is the way, and, and they will fear me forever. This fear, get ready. The biggest confusion in the church, fear the Lord, brother, fear the Lord. God is holy, fear the Lord. Let's now clarify the deal, correct? The fear that he is now promising you is the best fear that you ever have. I'll show you how it is. Let's read it. They'll fear me forever, what? For the good of them and their children after them and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. That means this covenant will never change. That means what? What happens if you break the covenant? It's still valid. It's an everlasting. The problem is everlasting is not for God's sake. That is for your sake. Correct? His covenants are always everlasting. The problem is your covenants that he makes with you were never everlasting because you always break the lease. You always break the lease. You never keep, <laughs> you'll have landlords in the house. When the, when the renter calls up and says, you know, play, you know, I get my job. It's like, why? You signed the lease. No, but you know, please. That, that's how it is. You always break the lease. You always break the contract. He says, but this is an everlasting contract and it will not change. And what is the contract? that I will not turn away from doing them good. My goodness, what a contract. I, a contract which says, I will not turn away from doing them good. And he says, I will not break that contract. I'm talking about the fine print. Yeah. The fine print is, I will not turn away from doing them good. And I will make an everlasting, and I will put my fear in their heart so that they shall not depart from me. Yes, yes. I will rejoice over them to do them good. So God rejoices over you to do you good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land with my heart 
and with my soul for the first time God takes a commandment that you supposed to do and puts it on himself he says love the Lord with all your heart with all your strength with all your mind and God says hold on I'm not even going to bring that let's put it on me I will love you with all my heart with all my strength with all my soul with all my power and I will plant you in this land my goodness that covenant I will do this to you for thus says the Lord just he's, he's not stopping I'm like Lord this is enough this is too much I cannot take any more goodness can you take more goodness God says no 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 no. you have not heard the rest have you seen this commercials where he says you get this 24 you get all these books and all this stuff and all this but wait there's more there's more look at what it says for thus says the Lord just as I have brought all this calamity on this people so I will bring all the good that I have promised them he says do you, do you think I, when I brought calamity on you that it happened yes or no whatever you did however with your strength could you avoid that calamity no he says as just like that now I'm flipping it I am going to for sure the harvest you see the harvest is coming correct what is the harvest he says I will I will bring on them all the good that I promised them and the fields he's talking about see not spiritual prop See, this is where you go. No, no, brother, this is talking about spiritual prosperity. What do you mean spiritual prosperity? Let's, 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 see, the, uh, let's see the details. What does it say? And fields will be bought in the land in which you say it is desolate without man or beast. He'll say fields will be bought in the same place where you said there is nothing growing. It's happening. It's going to happen. The same place. Like you say, in my this business, nothing happens. God says, so what? You are saying, right? But I am going to do this in your life. I am going to do this in your business. Guess what? Because I am ready to open the seals for you. Keep reading. The men will buy fields for money, sign deeds and seal them and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the south. For I will cause their captives to return, says the Lord. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 30. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning the houses of the city, the houses of the kings of the Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounts and the sword. They, they came to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of the men whom I will slay in my anger and the fury for all the wickedness I have hidden in my face. Behold, now he's saying, now what I'm going to change. I will bring health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth keep reading I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they are sinned against me I will pardon all the iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me then then it shall be to me a name of joy a praise and honor before all the nations of the earth see when I do this to you 
when I do this to you, that when you start buying lands and fields and houses, when your sins are all forgiven and everything has been put away, when the nations shall see this, what will happen? What will happen? The nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I do to them. Oh my goodness. The nations right now only hear all the bad that happens to Christians. Because they are the ones who keep writing the books. Why do bad things happen to good people? Right? They are the ones. They're my testimony through a pain. My testimony to that. So the people are like, okay, this whole section of Christian books is full about bad things. I don't want to even go near that place. So the Bible says, I will provoke you to a jealousy by a nation that you did not know. Israel is looking at this church and says, no, 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 no. We are better off with our Goldbergs and Rosenbergs and your Spielbergs. We don't want that part. Correct? Because they have not, because the church is thinking the wrong thing. They have not read the fine print. They are checking on the wrong contract. When the nations see the good that I do for you, what will happen? They will fear and tremble. That's the fear of tremble that he... In the New Testament, there's only one place of fear and trembling, correct? In the, in the Gospels, where he says, a woman came from behind and touched Jesus' garments. And when she was healed, when she was healed, the Bible says she, she was with fear and trembling. Why? For the good that was done in her. Mm. Not because she was afraid of Jesus. She said, oh my goodness, what's going on? I spent all my life, all the physicians, and nobody could heal me. And I just touched this finished work of Jesus' garment. And I was healed. And he's like, oh, I don't know what to do. Have you seen YouTube videos of people get into some of the top schools? Or they get a billion dollars? What is their immediate reaction? The fear and trembling. Oh, 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 don't. Why? Because that's the fear. God says, I like it. I like it. When was the last time a believer was fearing and trembling for the good that God has done for them? I like it. And God, heaven is going, I like it. Jesus, you did it. I like this. I like this. That's the deal. He's saying, I'm, you're going to there for all the goodness and the prosperity. Just in case the preachers forgot to make sure that it is not spiritual. He says, for the goodness, they shall fear and tremble for the goodness and the prosperity. Write it so they can stumble on it. (laughs) For the prosperity, who will provide? The enemy? I will provide them. Hallelujah. Wow. Okay, you thought that is good enough? Jesus said, no. He says, there's more. Thus says the Lord, there shall be heard in this place of which you say it is desolate. He's like rubbing it in. He's like, you are the one who said, right? It is desolate. Let me tell you in the same place. <laughs> like God says, no, no, enough, enough, Lord. I got it. I got it. No, no, but you, but you are the one, right? You are the one who said, right? In this place, nothing is going to grow. You are the one, right? In the same place. So he's just going to rub it in to Jeremiah because Jeremiah said, Lord, look at the sieges. God says, okay, Jeremiah, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Okay, you, you think this, uh, this house is good? I have not shown you this balcony. Oh, you, this is the place you said you cannot afford this home? 
Is this the place? Oh, this is the community that you could not ever get in? Oh, oh, is, is, this, the, is this the school that you could never send your children to? Or is it the uh, company that you could never afford to buy? Oh, did you not say that? Did you not say that? He's like, same place, same place, same, same, same place, same place, you, same place, same place. Because he wants to rub it in. Because he says, I will do it because there's nothing too hard for me. Do you get, do we get the sense of the, what the Holy Spirit is about to tell you? The Holy Spirit is saying, harvest brothers is coming. Harvest is coming. Because I'm going to do it. Harvest is coming. Okay. This is, it is, of which you say it is desolate, without man and without beast, in the cities of Judah, in the, in the streets of Jerusalem, that are desolate, without man and without man. It's like going through the whole thing. It's like, you said the streets are also desolate, correct? Okay, this is what you're going to There, he talks about the six voices that you will hear. Now this, underline it. In the same place, you will hear the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom. Who is your bridegroom? Jesus. Jesus. This, your inheritance, in your inheritance, you hear these voices. When the world says, I hear voices, they put them in a mental hospital. Mm -hmm. When you hear voices, these are the voices you hear in your inheritance. The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride. Mm. Who is the voice of the bride? The voice of those who say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Because there is a voice that says that. That is, you are the one who is saying that. And then, of those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. One, two, three, four, five, six voices. Did you hear a voice of sighing? Did you hear a voice of crying? Did you hear a voice of disappointment? No, why? How can you be disappointed when all the good that he's getting ready, that he's getting ready to do to you? When you will see it and you're fearing and trembling, there is, there is no tears. For I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first. My goodness. You think that is end, that's the end of what God is saying? Wait, there is more. <laughs> Thus says the Lord of hosts, in the place where it is desolate. <laughs> He's not going to stop. <laughs> he is not going to stop. Because he's heard it so much times from you. In your quiet times, in your prayer times. Lord, what's going on, Lord? This is he's like, okay, I'm going to try this on you, brother. <laughs> In the same place which you said, it is desolate. Oh, he's just getting it. By this time, Jeremiah is like, Lord, just get me out. I believe you. No, let me, let me. He says, no, no, no. I, I, I want you to establish in this goodness that I'm getting ready to do. Without beast, without uh, man, and in all the cities, there will again be a dwelling place of shepherds causing their flocks to lie down. Flocks will never lie down if they are afraid. If sheep lie down, it's only because they are completely oblivious and fully satisfied. 
If sheep don't lie down, and that happens to ministry, if you are leaders and running ministries, and in your ministry, your sheep are not lying down, there's a problem with the shepherd. What are you feeding them? If the sheep don't lie down, it is the shepherd's problem. And the sheep, you cannot make the sheep lie down. Then the only way the sheep will lie down is when they can, they can eat and they can sense and they can feel that there is safety all around. And that comes only by good teaching and preaching. Okay, keep reading. They'll be causing the sheep to lie down. In the plains of the cities, in the south, in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, the flock shall again pass under the hands of him who counts them. He, who is the one who counts them? Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation, and I saw a multitude which no man can count. Because if you can count, that means it belongs to you. If I come to George's house and want to count what is in his bank account. I don't think he'll allow me. I can count, provided it is mine. Correct? You only have authority to count what belongs to you. But it says once again, they will be counted under the hands of one. They'll pass under the hands of one who counts them. That means you are going to pass under. You're always under his protection because he owns you. He owns you. So you don't have to worry. The one who counts you is the one who owns you. The one who, he's not going to make a demand of you because he's the one who owns you. Hallelujah. Behold, the days are coming. Say, it's come. It's come. So to Jeremiah, it is coming. To you, it's already come. The days are coming, says the Lord. I will perform that good thing which I promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. See? He doesn't say a branch of power, a branch of strength. He says a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Judah and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And that, and this is the name by which she will be called. Who is the she? Jerusalem, the church. We will be called by your name. The Lord, our righteousness. That in these days of prosperity, in the days of great good, what will you be called? The Lord our righteousness. Did you see a difference? Under the law, if you, if, you, if you were blessed, what were you called? You the righteous. In the new, new covenant that God has promised, when God does good things to you, what are you called? The Lord our righteousness. Huge difference. And this is the revelation that will cause your victory to happen. For, for, why? And, and we'll close after this. It says, verse 17, For thus says the Lord, the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne in the house of Israel, nor shall the priests and the Levites lack a man to burn, offer burn offerings, 
before me to kindle grain offerings and to sacrifice continually so this is such a good news you don't understand how powerful this news is he says the reason you are blessed right now as a believer is not because you don't mess up because you continually have a man in front of god who continually offers burnt offerings you continue this high priest never dies this high priest forever continually offers burnt offerings for you why do you have to offer burnt offerings continually if you never mess up continually he will always have a high priest and but then he says you also has a man who will sit on the throne why, why is that a benefit yes because if he rules from the throne you rule from the throne and you see when you when you enter countries right when you enter countries what is the first thing you encounter before you even see a label that you've entered a new country what is the first thing that you see oh it looks like a new country when you're going by road and you enter a new country what do you see you see signage okay what else welcome okay how do you know it's a new kingdom how do you know that you entered a new kingdom have you noticed that the guards suddenly their uniform changes you see a king, that that's how, the fact that there are guards with new new attire means what and the capital may be about 500 miles away but at the borders the uniform changes yes or no because the kingdom has changed what you first encounter is rulership from a distant place because the king is seated in the capital the people at the border authority looks different correct yes or no that is why when 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 jesus was raised from the dead and then the believe when the believers were first born born again right when jesus resurrected what is the first people they encountered at the tomb angels seated angels because now they have entered the kingdom of god now they have encountered they have never encountered angels till then all the disciples they started encountering angels the moment jesus was born again because now they have entered the kingdom all over is uniform people all over the king they know no somewhere somewhere in a distant place jesus is on the throne angels are showing up all over that's why the hebrews chapter 12 says you have not come to mount sinai that burns but you have come to mount zion to an innumerable company of angels why because you are in you are in the you are in rome everywhere you look is his ministers all around because the king is seated on the throne or he is it and god says you will never lack a man to sit on my throne because he sits on the throne you sit on the throne because he is a priest on your behalf you are forever does not have any sin against you forever because he offers continually hallelujah hallelujah are you ready for this harvest are you ready for this harvest
And there are so many things I can say, but I don't have time. And I'll just run through a couple of verses and then we'll close. The first time the word says, is anything too hard for the Lord? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. See, he's again talking about harvest time. When he says the appointed time means the kairos time. In the Greek, it means kairos. That means the appointed time. The Lord is telling it is the kairos time this year. It is about, it's the appointed time. The appointed time of the harvest. I'm, I, it's up, the appointed time I will return and Sarah will have a child. Hallelujah. And then uh, Romans chapter 9 talks about the same time. At this time I will come and Sarah will have a time. It says the Kairos time. He's coming. He's coming. Zechariah chapter 1. And you can read that later on. But I will say this one word. Zechariah chapter 1 verse 16. Therefore thus says the Lord. I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My city shall again spread out through prosperity. Again. See I am returning and suddenly you're becoming prosperous. And then, uh, Zechariah chapter uh, 2, he says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I'm coming. I will dwell in your midst. And then verse 13, Be silent, O flesh, before the Lord, for he's aroused from his holy habitation. But he's telling to Zion, Rejoice, behold, I'm coming. He's coming with the harvest right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then Zechariah chapter 9. He says, I'm, I'm skipping a lot of this because I don't want you to wait till the next time. How can I leave the, you with the biryani and not the appetizer, right? Not the appetizer, the desert. Look at the desert. He says, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare to you, I will restore double to you. He says, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. You know, when God was saying to Zechariah, he, they, they were prisoners of hope. Why? Because the hope had not yet come. But they were like, they are saying, guys, 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 guys. So it's like, it's like children waiting in a room. And you're telling, uh, I've ordered pizza. Pizza is coming on the way. Just stay here in the room and play. So after half an hour, pizza has not come. So you, the, the children keep coming out. Mama, is the pizza come? He said, no, 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 don't worry. Pizza has come. Dad has personally gone, made sure the pizza is ordered. Come on, go back to your room. The pizza is coming. So he, God is telling Israel, go back to your room. You prisoner of pizza or hope. Just stay there. Because I am coming. He is coming. Who, because Jesus had not yet come. But at the appointed time. Did Jesus come? Yes. Did he come? Yes. Did he come? Yes. Hallelujah. And then the Lord says in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, and this is where I want you to focus on. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grain in the fields for everyone. For He's saying, is the time of the latter rain right now. Remember the harvest is coming? It's the time of the latter rain. What should you do in the time of the latter rain? 
ask for rain. I'm like, Lord, why? It's the time of the latter rain. Why should I ask for rain? The Lord says, don't waste your time. Just do what I'm telling you. In the time of the latter rain, ask for rain. So this is what I want you to do. This season is the time of the latter rain. And you will do one thing very clearly. What is that? Ask for rain. In that area of your life that you need prosperity. Ask for it. Because now, see, there is a time, see, there, there, is, a, there is a time when you would ask and nothing would happen because it's not the appointed time. Now, it is the appointed time. Now, don't keep silent. Now, see, you say, but Lord, I've asked and asked and asked, asked for so many years. God says, yeah, I agree. But it was not the appointed time. Now, it is the appointed time. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For whoever asks shall receive. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are entering into a time of the latter rain. The latter rain is the time, but it only comes on people who ask. You have to ask in this time. So you say, but doesn't God know that I need to be prosperous? Yes, but ask. That these are, it said, do not worry about, do not be anxious concerning food, clothing, what you shall eat. For these things the Gentiles seek after. The heavenly Father knows that you seek them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And then God, Jesus, in the same passage says, "Ask, and it shall receive." Which means, means what? He says, "Ask for this righteousness, you will get it." Ask for your bread, you will get it. Ask for your prosperity, you will get it. Ask for Jesus during this season. Ask for this time. From, from him comes the cornerstone. From him, the tent peg. From him, the battle bow. From him, the ruler altogether. Oh my goodness, there's so much stuff to get. He says, remember Jail, the lady who killed the commander of the Syrian army, Caesarea, with a tent peg. What did she kill? That's a picture of the church. Here was an enemy that came into the woman's tent. And what did the woman kill the enemy with? With Jesus. From him is the tent peg. You don't come into my domain and did she use flesh? No. She used Jesus. You cannot fight these enemies with flesh. You're going to fight it with the tent peg, with Jesus. From him is the cornerstone. From him is the tent peg. From him is the battle bow. And from him, every ruler together. And then, Isaiah chapter 7. I know I have to rush. I'm going to rush this through very important because I want you to go with one passage, very powerful. Isaiah chapter 7. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz saying, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. See, we are in a season where God is telling, ask. 
And Ahaz is saying, I will not ask. And he has a very biblical reason for it. And look at his reason. He says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. <laughs> you preach this. In a hundred churches, they'll say, good preaching, brother. <laughs> Do not ask and test the Lord. He will only give you that just sufficient for you in your life. Don't ask more. Don't be Oliver Twist. How do you know Oliver Twist? Yes. There's only one line in the whole book I know. I want more. <laughs> what? Go back to the line. Don't ask. I said, I will not ask, nor will I test the law. Then look at God's response to Ahaz. Then he said, hear me now, O house of David. He just completely bypasses Ahaz and talks directly to Israel because this was a problem with Israel. This is the problem with the church in the latter time because they are so numb, because they have been so disappointed with seasons of um, uh, defeat. They have come to a point where they are now accepting whatever comes. And they say, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to vary men, but I, that you will also vary me? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. His name shall be Emmanuel. Emmanuel, a sign, is God saying, harvest is coming. Harvest is coming. Isaiah chapter 8. It, it just continues, okay? Say it continues. There's no chapters in the Bible, correct? It just continues. Moreover, the Lord said to me, take a large scroll and write on it with a man's pen concerning Maher Shalal Hash Bas. Okay, I'm going to ask you to repeat this. This is a powerful name that harvest is coming into your life. God says it is such an important name that I'm going to birth a child in your, in your, in your country and I will name him Maher Shalal Hash Bas. Okay, get ready. Maher Shalal Hash Bas. Maher Shalal, Hash, Bas, Maher, Shalal, Hash, Bas. Okay, what does it mean? Speed the spoil, hasten the booty. Harvest is coming. The spoil is coming. The plunder is coming. He says, before the child will know to cry out, Abba, or mama, the loot will return to you. That means he says, how long does it take a child from the child that the child is born to the child to receive the loot from, uh, sorry, uh, how long does it take for a child to be born to a child to start saying mama, mama? How long does it take? Come on. Come on. Come on, all the ladies. Dadas have no idea, right? What's going on? Okay, okay. Ladies, six months. 
Six months? Come on, is it all of them from the same family right now? You, you don't have any outperformers? Julie? Five months? Five months? Five? Five months, okay. Five, six months. So he's saying, I give you the promise. Speed the spoil, he's in the booty. But before he can say, Abba, Mama, the promise is already fulfilled. The harvest has already come. You are not going to wait a whole lifetime for your promise to come because it is Maher Shalal Hasbaz. His name means speed. His name means speed. It's not a drug, by the way, okay? <laughs> His name means speed and hasten the harvest and the loot. It's going to happen. He says, I'm going to give you, you write a, take a large, take a scroll and write in big letters. If you go into my study, in our bedroom, in a bathroom, guess what's written everywhere? Maher, Shalal, Hash, Bas. Because the Lord say, get ready. It's not like the promises before. Because it's the time of the latter rain. It is time of the harvest right now. You say, but is there anything too hard for me? See, so when he said, is there anything too hard for me? It is concerning this return, this restoration, this harvest, this prosperity. He says, because see, God, people are, people can, people can believe that God can forgive sins. But they cannot believe that Fields, lands, vineyards can be possessed in a desolate place. Because flesh is glaring in their eyes and say, it can only happen through the works of a man. But God says, I am the Lord of all flesh. Let's prove it. Write the name of the child, Maher Shalal Hajbat. You know how this child was born? The Bible says, Isaiah went into a prophetess and conceived and bore a son. You know, that's prophetic. He said, you need to have intimate relationship with the prophecy and the pro promise for you to birth Maher Shalal Hashbash. It's the word. The word. Milu is like, no, 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 don't go hunt for prophetesses right now. <laughs> Milu is like, be very clear. <laughs> I do not want any doubt. <laughs> All the ladies said, Amen. Okay, no prophetesses, okay? <laughs> so what he's saying is, you need to have intimate relationship with the prophecy. That means you need to own it. You need to receive it during this time. You cannot say, let it, oh, this prophecy God has given me, it's happening. Because there is a... Okay, what is the first thing that happened when God created light? Go and read Genesis chapter 1. What is the first thing that happened after God created light? God said God divided. Division happens. Division the, Jesus used the exact word. He says, have, have, have I come? Has the Father sent me to bring peace or not? No, but 
division. Division, because he's the light. When you are sent into the world, there is going to be a division. Division about what? The ones who would prosper and the ones who would not. Ones who would benefit and the ones who would not. You would be the Goshen, but in Egypt. Because there is going to be a division, brothers and sisters. Because you received this word and you had intimate relationship with this word. And Maher Shalal Hashbash has happened for you. Because Emmanuel is his name. His name is Emmanuel. Remember we just told? I'll give you the sign. His, the other name is Maher Shalal Hashbash. Every time you look at Jesus, he is Maher Shalal Hashbash. He's not slowpoke. All my promises for so many years, Jesus. No, he's Mahesha, he's speedy. In fact, you see that in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, Jesus is in the house of the mother-in-law. Correct? Peter's mother-in-law is sick. So Jesus is in the house, but not in the room. Say, in the house, not in the room. Correct. Is the mother-in-law still sick? Yes. Why? In the house, not in the room. Just repeat after me. Correct. What will it take for Peter's mother-in-law to be healed? Say, in the room. So what they did was, the, when the moment Jesus entered the house, they told her about, the, 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 go back and read the word in Mark. It says, they immediately told Jesus about the mother-in-law. I think we'll work on it, Jesus, for a time being. And if it doesn't give up, then we'll tell you. No, in the house, not in the room. Why not tell him immediately? Because he is Maher Shalal Hash Bas. Immediately heals you. He said the fever immediately left. Why are you waiting? The Bible says, so Jesus is invited to a house of a Pharisee. A Pharisee. See, Jesus moved among the elite. In his time. You didn't know that. In fact, even Paul moved in the elite. The Bible says he preached the gospel in Galatians chapter 1 to the of repute privately. Melvin, like you are doing, right? He, they would, he would talk privately about the gospel. So Jesus had this private conversations, like you said, like Nicodemus. He said, you are the teacher of Israel. Means he was the teacher. He was like the elite teacher at that time. He was the elite rabbi. So they, he came in the night because Nicodemus had a problem with his reputation. He didn't want to be seen with Jesus. But Jesus had what he did not have. So Jesus had this intimate, and he was, he was totally at ease with them as well as with the leper. Total. Correct? So Jesus goes into this Pharisee's house. And Jesus says this thing. So, he, so in this out, it's by invitation only. It's by invitation only, this, this, uh, this, this event. I think it's in the book of Luke. So the Pharisees are sitting. The lawyers are there. So they're all part of this elite group. Invitation only. Say invitation only. Okay. So Jesus looks at one guy who has a dropsy. So obviously this guy is a... by invitation only. Correct? 
correct? So he's an elite guy, elite lawyer or a Pharisee, but who has dropsy. And Jesus looks at him. It's a Sabbath. So Jesus says, what do you think? He's lawyers, right? These are like the elite. They're talking about the theology, the top, top, about the law. Jesus says, and Jesus uses the same language. What do you think? Is it lawful to heal on a Sabbath? <laughs> He's looking at him, talking to them. So what do you think? Is it lawful to heal on a Sabbath? He didn't wait for an answer. He took him and healed him immediately. Because he's speedy. He doesn't waste time. He's like, this guy needs help. Heal him. And Jesus then says, which of you having a donkey or an ox and he's fallen into the pit will not immediately pull him out? Say immediately pull him out. Oh, you don't, you don't wait. Oh, brother, this sickness is good for you. You will learn a lot of lessons through the sickness. Why? No, just be in the pit for one more day. Why? Immediately. Which of you? Will you do that for your donkey? How much more to you? Jesus is Mr. Speedy Loot. He gets the loot, he gets it to you. That means he says, it's good. And the, this, is the, this is the word. He says, concerning the Maheshala Hasbat, and this is the word. Say this. The Lord said to me, call his name Mahir Shalal Hajbash. So repeat after me. What's the name? Mahir Shalal Hajbash. Good. You all got it. I had to try a couple of times to understand that. <laughs> Mahir Shalal Hajbash. Call him Mahir Shalal Hajbash. For before the child shall have knowledge to cry, my father, my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be taken before the king of Assyria. Who is the king of Assyria? The devil. The devil. The king of Assyria is a classic picture throughout the Old Testament of Satan himself. He says his loot is coming out because Emmanuel is born. Hallelujah. His loot is coming out not because you have a better battle, not because you have a better battle strategy, not because you have a better method, not because you are more stronger, because a baby is born. Maher Shalal Hasbash is born. And before he can speak, Baba, the loot has left the king of Assyria. You know exactly like that it happened. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Before he can say, Abba, Father, Abba, Dada, he was, he, so he was born in Bethlehem as an infant. Immediately they went where? No. <laughs> Go back and read the gospel. You will see this very clearly. In fact, it says, after they had completed the rituals of the earth day of circumcision, where did they go? They went to Nazareth. Very clearly written. So they went to Galilee of Nazareth. So Eight days, the baby, the, they waited in Bethlehem, they waited, they went to Jer Jerusalem, circumstances happened, they finished all the rituals that are needed, and they went immediately to Nazareth. Who showed up in Nazareth in a house? The kings bringing what? Where did they come from? Where is Damascus and Syria from? Before the baby can say, Baba, Mama, the loot is started to come from the East. 
Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The baby has not done anything. Yeah. The baby is just about to say, "Baba, Mama." The caravan has started from Syria. <laughs> I can see the Holy Spirit. The prosperity has started already. And that riches is what they took to Alexandria of Egypt. And Alexandria was the top city in that country at that time. And Jesus, like Moses, was educated among the elite. Because the first library was made in Alexandria. The world's knowledge. The Bible says, John says, if all the things that Jesus did was written one by one. It could not fill up all the books that would ever be written because he's thinking Alexandria. All the books. And what are the books written in Alexandria? It's all about creation, about flowers and things. And who created all of that? Jesus. There are millions and millions of books just on one cell in biochemistry. Who made that cell? Jesus. And he says, if I start telling you of what all Jesus did, there won't be enough books in the world to write the accomplishments of Mahesh Shalal Hashbash. The prosperity surely is coming. He says, write his name. The riches are coming from the East. Do you see how powerful the prophecy is? And that is why the Bible says, and then he says, I'll show it to you. It's in Isaiah chapter 27. I think it's before that. He says, the people who lived in darkness have seen a green light. Isaiah chapter 60. He says, behold, gross darkness is on the earth, but light shall rise up in on those on God has risen up. Right. And God has seen, and people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. And he says, and he says, calls them the land of Zebulun has seen a great light. Which was the land of Zebulun? Anybody? Was, and uh, the uh, New Testament quotes that verse, is Galilee. He says, when Jesus grew up in Galilee, that he will be a Nazarene because the Bible says it was prophesied that the people who sit in Zebulun and Naphtali have seen a great light. And he quotes that verse for Jesus. But the wise men from the east actually saw the star in Naphtali and Zebulun because they saw the star not in Bethlehem. They saw in Nazareth. So next time when you hear the star of Bethlehem, you know it is the star of Nazareth. That they went. They were sent to Bethlehem to search for it, but they couldn't find the baby because the baby had already left Bethlehem. And then they saw the star, and the star kept following them and went over this house in Nazareth and stood over it. So this, that's why the prophecy says, though people in darkness have seen a great light, because there was actually a physical great light. The star of Bethlehem was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Hallelujah. Okay. And I'll close with this. Same chapter, Isaiah chapter 8. He's talking about Mahesh Shalal Hashbash. It says, 
says, and he says, all the, the king of Assyria will do this and do that. The king of Satan does all this to you. He'll fulfill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel. The moment the Bible says, O Emmanuel, look at what he says. Be shattered, O nations. Be broken in pieces. Give ear all you are of far countries. Gird yourself, be broken in pieces. Gird yourself, but be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, but it shall come to nothing. Speak the word, it shall not stand. For God is with us. Emmanuel. Amen. He says, now, because Emmanuel is born, you can plan whatever you want. It's not going to stand. You can take whatever counsel you want. It's going to break. You can gather yourself. It shall not happen. Why? For Emmanuel. For God is with us. Because he's like, this is your situation right now. This, the world is crazy dark out there. But Emmanuel is in you. God is with you. So the riches are surely going to find you. The victories, the harvest is surely coming to you. And then he says, for the Lord spoke to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people saying, do not say a conspiracy concerning all what the people say a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Same chapter. He says, because Maher Shalal Hashbash is born, because Emmanuel is born, you shall not be afraid of the same things that the world is afraid of. Same chapter. Then he says, the Lord of hosts, him, he's talking about Jesus, you shall hollow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary and a stone of stumbling. Okay, keep reading. Bind up the testimony. The testimony about what? What I just told you about Mahir Shalal Hashbar. Bind this up. Bind this up means what? What do you mean bind this up? Hold it strongly. Bind it up. Means hold this. Prophecy about the harvest and his return and his coming. Right? This harvest. Bind this testimony. Seal the law. He's not talking about the Old Testament law. This law. The law of Mahir Shalal Hashbar. Seal the law among my disciples. Remember, it is the same book that Jeremiah said, seal it, this inheritance. After, for after many days, you will be visited. It is the latter years, brothers and sisters. The latter years of Jeremiah's scroll. It is the latter years of the testimony of Maher Shalal Hashbaz. It is the latter years of Zechariah, of the latter reign. Brothers and sisters, it is our time. It is the time for the scrolls to be opened, your inheritance to be received, and lands and vineyards and houses to be possessed in the land. Seal the law among my disciples, among my disciples, that means among you. I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob because God was hiding his face till Jesus came. And I will hope in him. Here am I, and the children the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Zion. Jesus now dwells in Zion. Verse 20. To the law. Now, now the God is speaking to the law and to the testimony. If they... This is huge. If you have a pen, mark this verse. Verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. Now he's speaking to the law. God is saying, okay, I've spoken enough to them. I'm going to speak to you. If they do not speak according to this word, hallelujah, 
if you and I do not speak according to this prophecy, if, if you do not speak, if you do not speak according to what, you, you will not say, look at the siege, look at the desolate land. You don't say like that. You do not speak according to this word. It is because there is no light in them. They will pass through it hard-pressed and hungry. Did you see a division happening? The same land where you could have possessed it with the prophecy of Maher Shalal Hasbaz, because you would not speak that, you will pass through it, what? Hard-pressed and hungry, number one. And it shall happen when they are hungry, they will be enraged, they'll be angry. They'll go on social media and they will curse their king and their god. See the order? First, you will curse the government for the inflation, for the uh, egg prices. They will curse them for that and curse them for that. Because, because you did not believe Maher Shalal Hashbash, correct? Because you did not have the light in you. You have not spoken according to this law. God is speaking to the law. Maher Shalal says, if they do not speak to what you have already done, they will go through the same struggle that the world is going through. Is this serious? They will be enraged. That means they will go mad. They will be angry. And you see that a lot. A lot of believers becoming very angry. Correct? So look at the order. They become angry first. They start posting. Correct? Second, they will curse their king. Because that's the easiest way. Correct? Then, they are God. They will not do it openly. Like, ah, this faith thing is it's cursing it doesn't work it's not fruitful how did Jesus curse the fig tree did he use the word curse ah this, I think the Holy Spirit just telling me this is very powerful tell them they curse me every day why because how did Jesus curse the fig tree no man shall eat fruit of you again. When you say no one shall get any fruit from God, what are you doing? But you don't start by saying that. You start by being angry. Then you curse the king. Then you curse their God. Because you did not get the revelation of Maher Shalal Hashpash, that the harvest is for you. And then, and they will look upward. They will look to the earth. They will look to heaven. They will look to the earth. They will look at heaven and they will see balloons. <laughs> Everything is a problem right now. They look to earth and they see trouble on the earth. That's what it says. I'm not saying this. Look at what it says. Then they will look to the earth. They will look upward. Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness and gloom of anguish. And they will be driven into darkness. Nevertheless, next chapter, same chapter, it continues. The gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. At first, she was lightly esteemed. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali 
beyond the sea, beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Galilees, Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Hallelujah. But, the word, but they, you who have seen a great light, you will receive the benefits of Maher Shalal Hashbash. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. And I'll close just with the titles and I'll close with this. Impossible harvest that God has promised you. Number one, Rema failure is impossible. Say, Rema failure is impossible. If God has told you a word by Rema, failure is impossible. You got it? This was revealed when um, the angel told Mary. He says, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel replied, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, is also conceived a son in her old age and now it's the sixth month of her which is called barren. See, you called her barren. Before with God, Rema word is impossible. That's what he said. That's the original Greek. It said, Rema is impossible to fail. If God has promised you something, Alexa, I feel very strongly. God has promised you something. The Rema word is impossible to fail. And this is what Mary said. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your Rema word. Rema word is impossible to fail. Rema word will not fail. God is saying, I have spoken to you. It was a Rema word. It will not fail. So I'm talking about impossible harvest, correct? With God, Rema word will not fail. It is impossible with God, correct? First, second, born again. Being born again is impossible with men. Nicodemus said, how can a man enter a man's womb again? How is it possible? Jesus said, do not marvel. If I tell you, how can these things be? Jesus said, if I tell you earthly things and you do not believe. And he's talking about the born again experience as being earthly. That means he's talking about wind moving. And you cannot see. He's saying, I'm telling you earthly things. And you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Impossible things are Born again, being born again is an impossible thing that God has got it happen. This was, that was an impossible harvest. Number three, enter the kingdom. Rich man. Jesus saying, it's very hard for a rich man to ever enter the kingdom of God. Melvin just quoted that today. <laughs> for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Camel, eye of a needle, I don't even know how that imagery even fits. They say, no, it was a gate in Jerusalem. No, it's not a gate. He wanted to show you the impossibility of that thing. <laughs> you think God is going to give you a possibility that you could sneak in? Oh, he just has to fast for 40 days. The camel can go into the gate in Jerusalem. That's man trying to find a way for flesh to sneak in. God says, impossible. How impossible? Camel needle. Take it. Do what you want to do with it. Impossible. Okay, give up. So he says, but he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Entering the kingdom of God was an impossible harvest, Matt, that you have already received. Have you received an impossible harvest? I'm, talking, I'm just putting you the names of things that were impossible with men. 
that you have already received. Harvest that you have already received. Resurrection was an impossible thing. Look at what Mary, Martha said. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die. He's not talking about guy. He said, guy, he's not saying he will he'll be prevented from dying. He says, though he's a believer, he waited for me, he trusted in me, still he died. Though he died, he shall live. Resurrection is an impossible harvest. That is your inheritance. Hallelujah. And then Martha said, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he has, he has been dead four days. Jesus said, did I not say, if you would believe, then you would see. If you would believe, you would see. Say, I would believe. I know it's not even making grammatical sense. I would believe. I would see. So when you look back into your life, you can always say, why did it not happen? You should say, if I would believe, I would see. Why, why change it now? Now what do you do? I do believe. I do see. Hallelujah. So resurrection was an impossible harvest that is available. Birth, joy, gladness, being great, Holy Spirit ministry. My goodness, that's a package. That was given to uh, uh, angel uh, to Zechariah. He says, he shall be great. He shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. You, they, many will rejoice at his birth. And he will, he will turn the hearts of many to the children. Impossible things. And Zechariah says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. I mean, so which part is impossible, Zechariah? <laughs> the fact that he will be born. The fact that there will be joy. fact that there will be gladness. Fact that he will be great. Fact that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fact that he will turn many to righteousness. Which part is impossible for you to believe, Zechariah? I am old. <laughs> so, God, so God says, so Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. Look at his response. I love this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, in, in the face of whom I have seen the face of him to whom all things are possible. I have seen that face. I see that face morning and evening. And you're telling me that you're old? When you've stood in the face of somebody to whom all things are possible, you know that look. Gabriel does not even say, with God all things are possible. He says, let me just tell you. I live with the Godfather. <laughs> Zachariah had no more words. He says, and because you would not believe, just shut up. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. So everything of John's ministry, birth was impossible. Your ministry is impossible. The filling of the Holy Spirit is an impossible harvest. Can you believe? You're thinking, you're thinking, I want a bigger house. My goodness, think about what you passed through and receiving impossible harvest. And now you're worried about the stink for four days. You have passed through all these impossible harvest and you're thinking about a perfume? <laughs> <laughs> 
what is possible? Wilderness bread. Jesus lifted his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming towards him. He said to Philip, what shall we, where shall we buy bread that there may eat? Wilderness harvest, wilderness bread. And he said, for himself, take, he said, 200 denarii of bread is not sufficient for them, that even one of them will have a little. Jesus said, make the people sit down. An impossible harvest in the wilderness. Impossible. F forget about money. There was no place to buy bread in that wilderness. See, Philip totally missed it. Philip is thinking, if I only had a billion dollars, I could get bread. There are people with a billion dollars who have died on a safari. Why? Why? Was it the problem with the billion dollars or was it the problem with the location? Location. Jesus said, where shall we buy? So, oh, wilderness bread. That means in a place where even with your money, you cannot cause things to happen. God says, that impossible harvest is available for you. If God can give you wilderness bread, see, this is not about money, ladies and gentlemen. This is about where there is no possibility of supply. Impossible wilderness breads. If God can do that, he can do the impossible harvest. Elements obey. When Jesus stood up and said, Lord, Disciples said, Lord, save us. We are perishing when they were in a storm. Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Why do you have no faith? Because Mahir Shalal Hajbash is in the boat. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. And the people, the men marveled and said, what, who can then be that even the winds and the sea obey? Elements obey you. That's an impossible. How many billion dollars do you need for the elements to obey you? Is that an impossible harvest? Yes or no? Yes. But did you receive it through Jesus? Yes. Who is this man that whom even the winds and the waves see obey him? Elements obey you. Abundance in the night. Jesus, Peter, he said, Master, we have toiled all night and cast nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And they caught such a great catch of fish. And they were astonished at the catch. Toiled all night and caught nothing. But yet Jesus says, there will be so much fish in the night. Harvest in the night. Where you have toiled all night. An impossible harvest is happening. Angels, Jesus in the garden. Peter takes out his sword and is about to kill that. He is not going to, he is not doing surgery on his ear. He was going for the head. And Jesus says, Peter, do you think I cannot now pray? Say, now pray. No. Do you think I have just stopped? I stopped. I forgot to pray. Are you saying I cannot now pray? I mean, I just forgot words. I, fo I forgot what to say. What do you think? I cannot now pray. I cannot say now pray. Now pray. Say now pray. No. See, Jesus saying, I cannot now pray. To my father and he will provide me more than 12 legions of angels. What is that? How many billion dollars can buy you an angel? But yet, you can pray 
and 72,000 angels can show up. That's an impossible harvest. Not possible with men, but possible with God. And finally, this is the very tough one. There was one thing that was impossible for God, for men. And it was possible with God. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God, brothers and sisters. All things is possible with God. You say, but this is a difficult situation. It's possible with God. I just showed you. Yes. Your birth, your supernatural birth is an impossible thing that he did. Yes. Your resurrection is an impossible thing he did. But there was one thing that was possible with God. That was to take away the cup of judgment from Jesus. Jesus uses that word. He goes into the garden of Gethsemane. And they came to a place which was named Garden of Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit down while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he, and he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. I mean, this is Jesus. These are dramatizing when Jesus, I mean, this is the guy that was not afraid of anything for 33 years. But he comes to a point in the garden and he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. He's now seeing something that he's never seen before. Even to death. See, as God, he's never seen death. He humbled himself, came under a law to be subject to death. He was like Teflon. You cannot do anything to him. He has to voluntarily give up the Teflon for you to even... Stick, anything to stick to him. Judgment wouldn't stick to Jesus. He had to be under the law. So God had to find this unique, out of the way loophole in the law for curse to stick in. And what is the loophole? Cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. <laughs> because, because if anything else that Jesus did, he had to become an evildoer to suffer the curse. But he just slid this, techno this, uh, this clause in the law. For Jesus to come and being a righteous man, yet for the judgments to stick. Somebody put him on the tree. He didn't put himself on a tree. But God says, no, 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 no. It's written in the law. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So he, all the curse should stick on him. You see the problem that God had? God has a great heart. He wants the curse to fall on Jesus. But Jesus is like, Father, this is not sticking to me. What do I do? It's like, you know, it's like, you're trying to, I don't know, I don't even have a game. You take it to the children and, you know, I can imagine one of Alexa's ch child saying, Mama, nothing is happening. I'm not getting dirty at all. What is going on? <laughs> Put me more dirt, put me more color. Daddy, mommy is putting all this dirt and not getting dirty. And that's how Jesus was. Like, I cannot die. So they are stoning me. He cannot, nobody can kill him. Nothing can stick to him because he's righteous. God says, don't worry, Jesus. I got an idea. I put it in the law. And Jesus knew that. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all curses to myself. Jesus knew that law. If I be lifted up, 
that all the curses will get attracted to me. That is why dying on the curse was critical for Jesus. He could never be stoned to death. He could never be scourged to death. He could never. Only when he hanged on a tree. He had so much life in him that even the unbelieving thief could not die before he died. Because life flowing from him. <laughs> like, even his they are on the cross, but they cannot die. After Jesus died, they are like, man, somebody kill them. Because that resurrection life from Jesus is keeping them alive. How can life itself be taken away? And Jesus, and this Jesus said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to that. If for that Jesus to say that his soul is exceedingly sorrowful, there are some things about redemption that the Father will never show you. It will be between him and his son. The darkness, the suffering, the pain, you know, in the tabernacle, there is a layer in the tabernacle that is hidden from inside and outside. It is a ram's skin dyed red. It is in the middle. Inside, when you look, it is all white. In the middle, it is red. And in the above, it is all rams uh, of hair. It is not hair. It is like a hair that they don't know what it is. Because they don't know whether he was a prophet Elijah, he was John the Baptist, he's Jeremiah, because outside they don't know who this Jesus is. Inside, the ones who are in the tabernacle, they can see the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But in between, there is a layer that only the Father sees, the price that he paid. That is why when that suffering was happening for three hours, all lights were off on the earth. God didn't want anybody to see that. So Jesus said, then he went a little further, fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that R might pass from him. And he said, look at the words that Jesus used. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. My goodness. Oh my goodness, Jesus at this point of suffering says, Abba, Father, I know, I've seen you. I've seen you in heaven. All things are possible for you. I know this is your plan, but I know I've seen too much of you. I know there's a way for this cup to pass from me. And the father would have said, yep, it is possible because with me, all things are possible, but I will not. I will not. Because if you don't drink Jesus, Every one of you will have to drink it. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you will. And a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Father, oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, oh my goodness, then he comes to a point. So he's like, Jesus is like pushing this cup back to the Father. Pushing it, pushing it. And the father is like, no, I cannot. But he, he, he's like, but, but Abba, you, all things are possible. Like, he uses these words. He's not talking about a multi-million dollar house or business. He's talking about eternity. 
He is about to go eternally separated from the Father and suffer. And God, Jesus said, I know Abba, there is a way. I have seen too much of you. All things are possible for you. And, and, and Father says, yes, it is possible for this cup to pass. But I want you to drink it. I mean, this is like he's telling to his only son. At this point of time, he does not have any other sons. Remember that? This is his only begotten son. He's not been risen so that he does not have us. He is the only son. He is going to sow him. He says, you have to. And then Jesus, oh my father. Look at how his words, oh my father. Oh, it's like, how do you, when, when do you start using oh my father? Then he's like, he, he's, he's come, to a, come to a revelation like, oh my father, I, I get this. If this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he gets up. Psalm 75. I want you, everyone, to read Psalm 75 in your quiet time, in your prayer time. This is what he says. This is God saying. And I, I don't think many of you all have understood what it says. Because we have used, quoted this verse, but you will understand this today. Because in reflect of what Jesus just said. We give you thanks, O God. We give you thanks for your wondrous works. Declare that your name is near. He's talking about before Jesus is coming. Everything is telling us that the Messiah is coming. Ah. The fact that you're making a sacrifice, a lamb who stays with us for 10 days on a Passover. We know. We know. You know, sometimes you know. Like you're throwing a surprise birthday party. But everything is like... <laughs> Everything is perfect, the house is cleaned. It's very unusual, we know. <laughs> There's a party coming. So they, they are saying in the Old Testament, they're saying, we know your name is near. Which name? The revealed name, Yeshua, is near. Then God is speaking. Suddenly, God just suddenly speaks in Psalm 75. He says, when I choose the proper time, Say the proper time. That's the time for sowing. Remember, we are in the harvest time, but this he's talking about this proper time. When I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. See, because he's not pushing all judgment, judgment, judgment. Finally, he says, I will choose a proper time, and then I will judge. Sometimes, you know, your children are making mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. He's like, okay, keep doing, okay. Keep doing. You rebelling, okay, keep going. It's coming. <laughs> you, you heard that? No, because when it comes, it does come, big time, right? And you're like, why is, that, why is no, nothing happening and nothing like that? And it happens with your wife a lot, right? She gives you this for silent treatment, silent treatment, silent treatment. And finally, you do just do something very simple. You just, you nobody likes me. You're always like, this. what I just did? I choose the proper time. <laughs> And I judge uprightly. It's like, and I choose the proper time, I'll judge uprightly. All the nations, all earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I'll set up its pillars firmly. Because when Jesus was set up, after Jesus' death, he set up the pillars of the earth firmly right now. Righteousness, it is established. We cannot be shaken. Say, not shaken. Not shaken. I said to the boastful, he's talking to Satan, do not deal boastfully. Because he says, eh, time is coming. Jesus is coming. 
Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. He's talking to Satan. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west. See, when Jesus was born, exaltation came from where? From the east. When he was about to die, exaltation came from where? Who came from the west? The Greeks came from the west to say, show us Jesus. And when Philip came and said, Jesus, the Greeks wants to see you. Jesus suddenly, Psalm 75, time! This is amazing. Jesus, for Jesus, the trigger was the Greeks coming. This is powerful. You can go and look in the book of John. The moment Philip came and told Jesus, the Greeks wants to see, Jesus, the Greeks want to see you. This is in the night, it, in the, it's the day before the Passover. Jesus is about to die. And the Greeks, and Philip is saying, Jesus, the Greeks wants to see you. Jesus suddenly comes to a realization. What? The Father has chosen the time. And Jesus used that word to Philip. Philip is like, Jesus, the Greeks wants to see you. <laughs> Jesus say, now is the time of judgment. <laughs> Have you seen that word? <laughs> Philip is like, what did I do? <laughs> because he, Philip doesn't know what happened. Because, because for Jesus, it is time. We are talking about the time in a good sense. For Jesus, it is the time for sea time. And Jesus used the word. Jesus says, if a grain shall not fall down and die, it shall remain alone. That means if I don't die, I will be the only righteous man in the universe. The father will be happy with me. I'll be happy with the father. But if I die, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Harvest will come. And Jesus used the word. And Philip is like sitting and listening. What did I just say? And Jesus is saying all this. He's talking about Psalms 75. Because exaltation from the West has just shown up. And the Father has chosen. Father is saying, Jesus, I'm going to decide. He, even though Jesus doesn't know, is it this Passover, the next Passover? See, because Passovers are coming year after year. And it's written in Isaiah. Isaiah says, and this is so powerful. Isaiah says, woe to Ariel. Feast shall come year after year, year after year. But one day... I'm going to judge. So Jesus kept going to Passover. Year after year. Year after year. He doesn't know which Passover. The father is going to decide the time. This is the Passover. You're going to die. And, and, the, the, and, the, and, the, and the Pharisees and the chief priests have already decided. We will not kill him during the Passover. Do you see that notice? Correct? So you're like, no, we will not kill him in the Passover. So Jesus is like, I cannot do anything. I have to die on a Passover because I'm the Passover lamb. They will not kill me on a Passover. Something supernatural happens. M Mary comes and pours a perfume bottle over Jesus. Triggers Judas. Cancel her. <laughs> like, you know, give it to the poor. This Christianity is all junk. You're not helping the poor. You're preaching the gospel. Jesus says, and he gets really offended. And he uses the social gospel to feel offended. See, nothing changes, right? Mm -hmm. 
nothing changes. The ones who hate Christianity always throw the poor at you. Always. Judas did. You have to tell them you're in good company. So, so Jesus gets, uh, Judas gets so mad, he goes to the uh, priest and says, I'm not going to wait for Passover Pesar. This is a Passover Pesar. I'm not going to wait for anything. I am going to deny him now. It's an opportune time. If you're going to take him, take him right now. Guess what happened? Father is saying, thank you. Perfect time because this is the Passover. I wanted him to. See how to, her pouring out the gift triggered the time. Kairos time. At the right time, her offering precipitated the judgment. And that's why Jesus said, you do not know what she is doing. She has chosen the good part. It shall not be taken away. Accidentally, she did the right thing at the right time. And that's the lesson for believers. You want to walk in the spirit, flow in the spirit, and do it accidentally, the things of God. Timing-wise, at the right time. And then he says, and then look at what he says. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west. But God is the judge. He puts down one. Who is the one that he put down? Jesus. I love it. He didn't say he puts down many. He puts down one. See, God had a choice. Either he can put down one or he has to put down many. In fact, when we kill pets, they always use the word. I have to put down my... And the way people say about their pets is very sad. But it is sad. I have to put down my... You know. Here, Jesus is not putting down a pet. He's putting down his only begotten son. He puts down one and exalts another. Who is the another? For, the, in, for in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup. Oh... <laughs> the cup shows up in Psalm 75. In the hand of the Lord, there is a cup. And the wine is red. And it is fully mixed. And he pours it out. On whom? On the one that he's going, getting ready to put out. So that you and I can be exaltation. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off. But the horns of the righteous... I will exalt. Hallelujah. He put down one. And I'll close with this. And I've been closing for some time, for the last one hour. I know that. Tell the Holy Spirit. Paul and Jesus says to uh, the disciples after he's just spoken to the Samaritan woman. says, <clears throat> do not say four months and then the harvest. Lift up your eyes. The fields are ripe unto harvest. Do not say, now our job, in fact, I want you to read it. This is very powerful. Cleans up a lot of bad doctrine. Oh, this is so beautiful. I can feel the Holy Spirit here because I want to get some bad doctrine out. Cleaned up. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 20, 35. Okay, uh, uh, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me 
sent me and to finish his work. Remember the word, he to finish his work. Do not, do not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Say, it's already time. It's already time. See, because the seed time has already happened. Harvest is here. Do not say four more, four more months and then the harvest. It is time. What harvest, Alkesh? What harvest? Everything. Did Jesus die? Was Jesus scourged? Was Jesus beaten? Was Jesus chastised? This is very interesting. And Isaiah says, you do not crush a cumin. You beat it. You do not crush uh, uh, um, this very powerful word. It's an Isaiah. It says, there are different seeds. You do not do, you, you treat them differently. To one, you hit it with a rod. One, you stamp it with the cart. One, you crush it. Wheat must be crushed. Correct? Yes. Correct? You don't do everything to one seed, do you? But with Jesus, God did everything. He was crushed. He was beaten. He was chastised. He was bruised. Man, he was a seed. He took on the form of every seed. He took on the sowing of every seed. He took on the harvest of every seed. Even this is of the Lord. Do you think, and the Bible says there are six kinds of sufferings that Jesus did to the seed. He was crushed, he was beaten, he was trampled on everything. Do you think there will be harvest for each one now? Yes or no? Yes or no? You will get your harvest. Remember the six voices that you will now receive? It is for the six crushings that Jesus had. The voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom. The voice of the bride. The voice of joy. The voice of God who has done great things. Hallelujah. Because... Six, six types of seeds was crushed in different ways. Because that's why the offerings in the Bible, one offering does not portray everything that Jesus did. The burnt offering, the meal offering, the sin offering, because one cannot satisfy. Four gospels, one man, one ox, one lion, one eagle. Means there is no sufficiency because everything, he, is, he cannot be fully explained in one aspect. His price is just not one monocentric. He's, he's multifaceted. And, but therefore the harvest is? Plenty. Hallelujah. And Jesus says, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white under harvest. And he who reaps receives wages. Do you notice he did not use the word he who sows receives wages. In ministry, if God wants you to receive wages, if you are sowing, you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Who receives wages? Look at what he says. He who reaps, reaps. Keep reading. You'll say, no, 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 that, that's blasphemy. I, I've heard so many other things. Okay, keep reading. Jesus' words, red letter. 
He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That means it's an eternal fruit when you reap and receive wages. Correct? Okay, next. And gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps might rejoice together. Hey, you say, there, 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 it says, he who sows rejoices. But who is this he who sows? The Father sowed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Three people involved in this labor of sowing. Yes or no? Okay. But you reap, you will rejoice with him who sows. So when you have a big house, when you have a great job, when you have a ministry that expands, when you have this, who is rejoicing? Obviously, the guy who plants rejoices when the harvest is up, right? As surely as he planted, surely the harvest will come. Okay, keep reading. For in this saying, for in this, the saying is true. My goodness, Jesus just goes down further in this. Because there's something powerful in this. He says, the saying is true. It's a saying that they had among the Jews. There are very few sayings that Jesus said was true among the, among the Jews. This was one saying he said, yeah, this is, this, this, this is okay. Keep, keep that, keep that in your list. The saying is, one sows, another reaps. Then you'll say, but see, there again, it's, it's one sows. You have, your ministry is to sow, uh, other, you have to sow in tears, you know. You have to struggle, you have to sow in tears. And then the others will come after you, will reap in joy. Okay, keep reading. I sent you. So, so, are you an apostle now? When God, Jesus says, I sent you. Sent means what? Apostle. Apostle, apostle means sent one, so, correct? I sent you. He's talking to whom? Everybody. Mm-hmm. I sent you. He's talking to the disciples at this point of time, the 12 disciples, but also the 70 and everybody. I sent you. He's talking to everybody, all who you are sent. I sent you to reap for which you have not labored. I'm telling you. For others have labored and you have entered into the labor. Who are these others? You know who are their others? He says, I and my father are working until now. He says, I am the one. I and my father, we are working. We are laboring. And it is time for you to now start reaping the harvest. It is time Brothers and sisters, the harvest is here right now. And you will receive the harvest if you speak according to the law of Maher Shalal Hashbash. You will speak it. You will say the harvest. Do not say. Jesus said, do not say four more months. See, because four more months means what? It is the time for the baby to say, Abba. Baba. (laughs) You got it? He says, do not say. Do not wait for the baby to say, Abba, say, Mahir Shalal Hashbash has already done it for you. The harvest is already here. The victory is already at hand. Receive it right now. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Melvin, can you just pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you. Father, Thank, you. So Thank you. Thank you, Master.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father God, may we not be like the disciples yes, that did not believe a word that Jesus Thank said. Father, Father God, when Jesus said that you be resurrected on that day, not a single person believed him. Father. Not one came to the tomb. Thank you, Master. Thank not one believed Thank Jesus. Jesus. For three and a half years, not a single Thank person Thank believed Thank that he would rise again. But today, Father, as we listen to your word, we come and say to you, we believe, we believe, we believe in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Remove all the unbelief and let us leave this place. Yes, Lord. I believe. Yes, Master. That is the work of the children of God, to believe the one the Father sent. Thank you, Jesus. And Father God, may the belief in our heart explode right now. Thank you, Master. You don't require us to do much except to believe that what your word has spoken yes, and that which has been revealed, we must believe. In Jesus' name, and Amen. you will do the rest. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you. Oh, my I just sense the Holy Spirit moving. I didn't say, uh, you'll say, I don't see anything. Everything is desolate. Everything is fine. That's fine. Doesn't matter, right? You just believe the word. Yes. Thank you, Master. Speak according to this word. Speak according to this word, says the Holy Spirit. Speak according to this word. Speak according to this word. Is anything too hard for me? You'll say, but in my, you don't know in my life. Doesn't matter. But do you know Maher Shalal Hashbash? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The harvest is coming. Behold, I'm coming quickly, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I am coming quickly. I am quickly. I am coming quickly. Oh, manifestations are starting to burst forth. For it, this is the season of the latter rain. Ask in this time of the latter rain. Ask, says the Lord. Ask in the time of the latter rain. Ask in the time of the latter rain. Ask in the time of the latter rain. The Lord says, don't, says, don't hesitate. Don't worry about the siege bounds. Don't say what's happening outside. Don't worry about it. Believe Emmanuel is here with you. Emmanuel is here. Thank you. Thank you. Receive. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Seek, seek, seek green grass. This, this is to somebody who has been restless and wanting to lie down. And you heard this word saying that this, my sheep will lie down in this position. But you have been saying, I have never been able to lie down. I've always been anxious. The Lord says, seek green grass. You have been feeding on bad teaching. You have been feeding on bad doctrine. And your heart is not at rest. Feed besides my sheep, says the Lord. Don't feed alone. 
where the wolves stray. And the wicked one divorce. Walk beside my sheep and walk where I lead them and eat what I feed them, says the Lord. For when you eat my grass, you will know for their strength to your bones. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I just sense uh, the Lord opening a door of great prosperity. It's like a golden key. He says, and you, many of you all will wonder why it had never opened for you before. The Lord says, because by revelation, the key has been given to you and you have opened it. It was not mine to open. It was for you to open. For just as I told the lawyers during my time on the earth, you have taken away the key of knowledge. You have not entered it yourself and you have not allowed to enter in also. Today, the key of knowledge has been revealed to you and you are going to use it to open areas of great prosperity for it has been given to you. For the house was yours, how much more the key? I am both the key and I am both the house, says the Lord Jesus. And I have finished the work. Come, come up higher in me, says the Lord. Not come up higher to me. Come up higher to me is bad teaching, says the Lord. You are already in me. Come up higher in me, says the Lord. Come up higher in me. That your deeds may be done in me. And we rejoice, O oh Lord, for the voices of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom we have heard today. The voice of the bride we have heard today. The voice of joy we have heard today. The voice of the ones who bring the sacrifice of praise we have heard today. And we rejoice, O oh Lord, for what you have done. We bless you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.